again, the scripture is going to be on the overhead, but I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to be reading uh, verses 8 through 20. This is such a familiar story. Let's read again these verses, okay? And in that region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord, and please notice, folks, is singular here, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. Now, I want to just stop for just a second. This is what we're going to be focusing on. A sign for you. God wants everyone to know him through his son. And God does not hide himself from us. And to these shepherds, God is saying, through the angel, I've got a sign to show you who this baby is that's being born. Listen to the last, the, the next part. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now let's stop just a second. Look at the contrast between verse 11 and verse 12. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A king has been born. He's going to be assigned to these shepherds, but where will they find him? They'll find him lying in a manger. Now, how many of us knew what a manger was before we started reading the Christmas story? I did not. In South Carolina, we simply called it a trough where animals were fed. How in the world would an angel tell these shepherds that a king, that the Savior of the world, that the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings could be found in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes? But listen to verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. And folks, just think for just a second. Who was this heavenly host? We can only speculate about who these were. But surely it was not only the angel that has talked to them, but it is the angels of heaven other heavenly beings. Have you ever thought about it? And I'm not spent a lot of time in this, but there are other heavenly beings that are mentioned. Isaiah mentions the seraphim. You remember in Isaiah chapter 6, Ezekiel, and other places, even Genesis 3, tell us about cherubim. You remember as Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden, the cherubim were placed there to guard, to guard the entranceway there. But, folks, I think also in this host were probably all that had gone before in the Old Testament. I think about the many people that had heard that God was promising he would send the Messiah. People like Abraham, people like King David, like Isaiah the prophet and Jeremiah, and on and on, those prophets who prophesied that the king of kings was coming, but yet they never saw this person and perhaps I believe God allowed them to be in this heavenly host that are praising God and saying in verse 14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. 
And then verse 15, when the angels notice, plural here, one angel has begun the conversation, and now more angels have entered the picture. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that happened, which the Lord has made known, made known to us. Now, let me ask you a question, just, just for some thought. If you had been one of those shepherds, how would you and I have reacted? Think about it for just a second. They're supposed to leave their flock. They're going to go into Bethlehem. They're going to go to a stable. And they're going to find a baby that the angel says and the heavenly host says is going to be a king. Surely some of them might have said, well, I'll just wait. I'll wait till tomorrow. Or I really don't believe this story. Or I really don't care. Because you see, in reality, God is speaking to you and I today about who his son Jesus is. We're not being sent to a manger to see a baby, but we're being sent to a cross to see the Savior that died for us. How are we responding? But listen how the shepherds responded in verse 16. They went with haste. You know what that means? They ran in a hurry. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. Now let me ask you something. How hard is us is it for us to witness for our Savior? And how hard it must have been for these shepherds Basically, the common, simple, ordinary folk of their day to go about saying, an angel came and spoke to us about a baby that's born in a manger and he's going to be the king and the savior. But their lives had been changed when they saw the sign from God of who this child was. Verse 18, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Folks, listen to this. God, through that angel and heavenly host, had not lied. And these shepherds had seen the sign of Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, bless us in these moments as we open your divine word. Father, because your word is inexhaustible, because you are the inexhaustible God, Lord, give us a new hunger for knowing the meaning of Christmas. Surely we could say, yeah, we know that that's Christ's birthday when he came to earth, but yet, do we really understand this sign and the biblical signs of Christmas? Father, prepare our hearts in the next 11 days to truly celebrate the coming of your Son. Be in our midst, be in the words that you speak through my mouth, and Lord, help us to see the biblical signs of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. A very simple question. What time of year is this? And unless you just got dropped off by a spaceship from Mars, you know what time of the year it is. It is the Christmas season. How do we know that? Christmas trees, lights, decorations, TV specials. I can't wait. I don't think the Charlie Brown special's been on yet, but I know Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer has because I watched it last night when I got home and I saw it earlier this week.
And I'm going to see it again, I hope. Other signs of the Christmas season, shoppers, shoppers, sales, bargains, special family gatherings, gathering of the church last night for the supper. On and on and on we could go that the Christmas season is here. But this past week, as I was thinking about Christmas and all the celebration, and as I was asking God, and, and I'm going to be honest with you folks, I've told you this before, Christmas is one of the hardest times of the year to preach in the sense that if you told the Christmas story to the congregation several times, how can you keep bringing something back and something new? And I'll be honest with you, I was even tempted to think that maybe I ought to dust off the files and get one of those old Christmas sermons out because surely I couldn't come up, and I shouldn't say I couldn't come up, or God couldn't come up with something new about Christmas. And then God spoke to me and said, listen, this is about my son. We will never, ever understand the fullness of the story of Christmas until we meet Jesus Christ face to face. And it, and it struck me that the gospel writers, under the power of the Holy Spirit, pointed out the true meaning of Christmas by a number of signs. And that's my main emphasis that I want to share with you today and next Sunday. The Bible gives us signs about what Christmas means. Now, what do we mean by the word sign? And folks, I want to point something out, and I want you to keep this in mind. Until the Gospels were written, the only written record about God was the Old Testament. Correct? Amen? But folks, listen, as you read and study the Old Testament, God gave many signs in many ways in the Old Testament. And a sign from God could be described as his acting, his commands to prove that he is real, to prove his presence, to prove his grace, to prove his judgment on sin. And again, you're going to think, well, wait a minute, man, I thought we were going to talk about Luke chapter 2. We're going to get back to it. And this is going to be one of those sermons that you're going to have to kind of wind up. So stay with me, okay? But from the very beginning of the Word of God, God gives sign to prove that He is and that He loves us. And even as wayward sinners, God is going to send a Savior. And folks, let me just begin with the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. God gave physical signs of His reality. Listen to this. And it's very simple, very easy to understand. God said, let there be lights in the firmaments of the heaven to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. You and I know exactly what this is talking about, correct? The sun, the moon, the planets, and the stars. Folks, I'm... I'm very old now, but every time I go out in a night when I can see stars and planets, it overwhelms me. I didn't go out last night for the meteorite shower. What is it? The Geminids? Uh, I probably said that wrong. But the heavens are declaring the glory of God. It is a sign of the reality of God. The book of Exodus, and I'm not going to go through every book in the Bible, but God gives signs that identify that we are his people. Let me give you a sign that identified the people of Israel as God's people in Exodus 12:13. 
You'll quickly pick up on this if you study the Old Testament. This chapter is about the Passover, about the night that God delivered the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt when they slew a lamb and they took blood and put it on the doorpost of their house and upon their their door facings. As the death angel passed over, the death angel saw the blood and knew that that was a children of God. And folks, there's a teaching in the Old Testament that when the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our hearts, God knows that we are His. And that's a whole different sermon. But listen to this verse, Exodus 12, 13. The blood shall be a sign for you upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall fall upon you to, dis- to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Also, a sign from God was a de- declaration from God. Go back to Genesis again. Genesis chapter 9. To Noah and to his family. To all mankind. Listen to this. And you know what that sign was, don't you? What was it? It's a rainbow. Listen to this. I establish my covenant with you that never again all flesh shall be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And listen to verse 17. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I've established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Please, again, allow me to give you some more signs, just a couple more. And I'm not going to give you scripture for this because throughout the Old Testament, there's warnings of times of judgment that are coming upon the people because of their rebellion and sin. And God gives signs that this is coming, but he also gives signs of his grace. I did not see 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago, but someone at the store, a gentleman at the store, told me one day this week that on one 60-minute program, it said that only 6% of Americans believe in hell. Now, folks, we got some problems in this country. And one of them is that we don't think that we're going to be held accountable for our sin and rebellion against God. The nation of Israel in the Old Testament didn't think the same, thought the same too. This is not about judgment, this sermon, okay? God gave warnings throughout the Old Testament. There are going to be signs of the times when Jesus gets ready to come back, and I think some of those are pretty prevalent right now. That's a whole other sermon. There are signs that what God said were truth. Let me give you an example of that in Exodus 3.12, when Moses is debating with God about leading the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. In Exodus 3.12, he, he doesn't want to do it, and he's questioning God, how can I know, how will the people know that you have sent me? And listen to what God says. In Exodus 3.12, he said, I will be with you and this shall be a sign for you. Moses, this is a sign for you that I've sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And again, this is 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 a much larger thing, but here's what I'm trying to say. If God tells us something, he'll do it. Moses went back and even though Pharaoh fought against him, guess what? He delivered the people out of Egypt, and guess where they made a beeline to, to worship God? 
to the very mountain where God called Moses. If God says it, he'll do it. One other example I want to give you of a sign, and again, the Old Testament is full of these things. Sometimes signs are a reminder to us. Listen to this passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 8 or through 9 that you're very familiar with. Listen to this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. If you go to the next slide, please. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Now listen to this. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand. You know that the Jewish people carried pieces of leather that had this scripture on them and also as frontlets between your eyes. They also wore them as a headband. You shall write them, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Folks, there were signs that reminded the people of faithfulness of God. And folks, on and on we could go about signs in the Old Testament. But folks, here's what I want to lead up to. Listen to these two verses in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 in the Living Bible. And, and I pray that you'll take these two verses to heart. Listen to this. Long ago, God spoke in many different ways to our fathers through the prophets and visions, dreams, and even face-to-face, telling them little by little about his plans. You and I know what that means. In the Old Testament, God was constantly telling people in many ways, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm going to do for you. And one of the main themes, or the main theme in the Old Testament, is that God is going to send a Redeemer. Now listen to two. Verse 2, but now in these days he has spoken to us through his Son. Folks, I want to tell you the greatest sign of the love of God is the gift of his Son. You and I must not miss the Christmas story as being the greatest sign to the human race that God is real, that he acts, he commands, he is present, he loves us. And he sent his Son to die on the cross for you and I. Let me read verse 2 again. I didn't finish it, but let me do it again. But now in these days he has spoken to us through his Son to whom he has given everything and through whom he made the world and everything there is. The greatest sign of all is Christ, that he came to this earth. Folks, the Old Testament is full of signs to show and prove the existence of God and his power and his might that He is the source of creation and life, that He is the God of mercy, that He made covenants with men. But the greatest sign of all is given to man through the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. Folks, again, read those, those two verses in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And I hope some of you are saying, well, why in the world are you spending so much time on this? Why is it so important for you and I to understand that Jesus is a sign that is the greatest of all signs? Because you and I as human beings are always demanding evidence and proof. And let me give you an example of that. In John chapter 2, 
In John chapter 2, Jesus has begun his ministry. He has already turned the water into wine. He has gone to the temple to worship, and he finds the money changers there, and he runs them out, and it ticks the Jewish leaders off. And listen to what the Jewish leader said in verse 18. The Jews then said to him, what sign have you to show us for doing this? In other words, what sign can you show that you have the authority to come into our temple and to tell us how to worship God? And listen to what Jesus said in verse 19. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. Folks, do you get this picture? Jesus is already bracing them for his death and resurrection. And listen to what John says in verse 22. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had spoken. But folks, the Jews were saying, what sign have you to show us for doing this? If you've read the Gospels, you know so often people would come to Jesus and say, give us a sign, show us who you literally are. And folks, along those lines... It had never struck me that throughout his public ministry, Jesus continued to give signs to prove who he is, who he was, and who he ever will be. And let me give you some examples of this quickly, okay? And we're, we're about to run out of time, and we, we want to dedicate these boxes that are going to be sent off to the soldiers. But look, let me quickly give you seven signs in the book of the Gospel of John in chapters 2 through 11 to prove who Jesus is. You might be saying, we hadn't got to Christmas yet. Folks, I want to tell you, if we don't believe these signs, we're not going to believe the Christmas story. But because we believe the Christmas story, we can know that Jesus did these signs. In the chapters 2 through 11, John presents seven signs to prove and show who Jesus is. The first sign is in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, where Jesus changes water into wine. And listen to what John says at the conclusion of that story. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana and Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. In chapter 4, Jesus heals an official son in Capernaum. And listen to what John says in verse 54. This now was the second sign that Jesus did when he'd come from Galilee, from Judea to Galilee. In chapter 5 of the Gospel of John, Jesus heals an invalid who has been an invalid for 38 years. And listen to what John says in verse 17 and 18 of chapter 5. But Jesus answered them, My father is working still, and I am working. This was why the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also God called God his own father, making himself equal with God. Folks, they couldn't believe that Jesus would come into the temple and break the laws by healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, I am God, and I can do what I want to when I want to, and this proves that I am God. And they keep asking for a sign. If you saw a man feed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, would you not believe that he was the Son of God? And in John chapter 6, Jesus literally does that. And listen 
to verse 14. When the people saw the sign which he had done, they said, this indeed is a prophet who has come to the world. The sixth, uh, the, the fifth sign is in that same chapter, John chapter 6. Jesus walks on the water. And the disciples see him. If you saw Jesus walking on water, would you not think that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? In chapter 9, Jesus heals a man that has been blind from birth. And the Jewish leaders do not believe that it is a sign that this man is of God. And they're questioning the man that has been healed. And listen to what he says in John 9, 32 and 33. Never since the world begun has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And folks, in my reckoning, the greatest of the signs is found in John chapter 11. And you know that story. Lazarus has died. And his disciples say, at this point, Lazarus was just ill. They said, Jesus, you've got to go to your friend Lazarus. He's, he's ill. And listen to what Jesus said. When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness is not unto death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. And you and I know, you and I know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Folks, how many of us in the past or even right now, how many people in the world have said, I won't believe that Jesus is the Son of God until I see a sign from God? And there might be some of you right now saying, I don't know if I can believe this story about Christmas or not. Folks, I want to ask you in the next 11 days to read John 1.14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God wrapped Himself in human form so that He could communicate with us. We're so hard-headed, aren't we? Our ears are often so stopped up. Our hearts are so hardened. So he sent his very own son. It's like Corey said earlier, if he has a child, would you want your son to die for the sins and wrongdoings of others? But God was willing to do it for us. Please don't look at Christmas and say, it's here again. I'm stressed out. I can't get any spiritual meaning out of it because I know what the story says. But have you and I seen it as a sign from God? Look in Matthew 1 and 2 and in Luke 1 and 2. Read those chapters. You'll see all the signs, the faithfulness of God, the virgin birth of Christ, the star that led the wise men, God sending John the Baptist through Zechariah and Elizabeth, and again the angel Gabriel who had been in the presence of God telling Mary, you're going to have a, vir- you're going to have a baby, and she says, I'm a virgin. He says, it doesn't matter. With God, all things are possible. And it is, folks. And then there's the shepherd story. The angel says, this is going to be a sign for you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. And let me close the message this morning by the words of John. In John chapter 20. Folks, to be a doubter, that's not uncommon, is it? Because the Bible tells us one of the disciples of Jesus named Thomas... He was a doubter. Listen to this. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. That is, on the resurrection morning. 
So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the prints of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hands in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, the nail prints. Put your hand Take your hand and place it on my side where the soldier had pierced his side to make sure that Jesus was dead. Do not be faithless but believing. What was Thomas's response? My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now listen to these two verses from John. Listen to what John says. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Folks, Christmas is a sign from God. This is his Son. Folks, this is serious business. Because you see, you remember that old slogan, no Jesus, no peace? No Jesus, no peace. It's a play on words, but it's the truth. Yeah, this is a great story. God loved the world so much he sent his son, came as a babe in the manger, but yet do we believe it? And folks, that makes the difference between being born again and being lost. I'm believing that that baby born in that manger was none other than the Son of God. And God sent him to this earth to show us who he is and how much he loves us. And his death was on the cross not because of any sin or crime he had committed, but because of the sin that you and I have committed. Do you seek a sign? If you do, Christmas is your sign. Here's your sign. It's the Son of God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray in these moments of invitation that if someone needs to make a public decision, your spirit would lead them to do just that. Thank you, Lord, for the sign of your Son that he is the word become flesh. Speak to our hearts now as we look at the sign that you've given unto us. In Jesus' name, amen.